You are listening to the Long Hollow Students Podcast. For more information and to stay updated, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at LH Students. Oh man, what is going on, middle school? How y'all doing tonight? Hey, can we give it up for the worship team? Man, that was praise God. Praise God. Man, so I don't know if you guys pick up on the song choices um, weekly, but we try to tailor our songs towards the message for tonight. And so if you haven't picked up on it already, man, there's a a message that we want to get across tonight. And that's, um, and we are called to be unified as believers in Christ, as mankind, we are called to be unified. And we think that happens um, right here in this room and so tonight we're talking about racism and what that looks like and what that is and then the response that we are called to have as the church, as the body of Christ. And so, um, man, if you would please, man, we're going to rise and stand as we read tonight's passage, as we talk about this kind of sensitive topic, especially in Tennessee um, and what today's society this is very sensitive. So I'm going to read this passage. And as I read this passage, I want you to keep in mind, we stand for a couple of reasons. We stand because when you walk into a courtroom, they all stand out of respect and reverence for a judge. And so in the same manner, when we read God's word, man, we want to show respect and reverence to, to this word that can and will penetrate hearts tonight and has the power to change lives forever. John 17, this is what it says. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me. Through their word, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they, they may, so that they may be made completely one. That the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for the, the gift of salvation that comes through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross Confirming he was the son of God by raising three days from the grave, God. Giving us the proof that we all need to let the world know that you were the son of God. You were God in the flesh. God, today, guys, we tackle this issue of racism, God, and race and culture, God, and what that means. And bully, God, being a bully, God, I pray that you, God, would speak tonight, Father. And God, through the worship, through the preaching of your word, and ultimately, God, of us responding, God, would we become one. And I pray all these things in your name, Jesus Christ. And everybody said? So this is your first time here, or first Wednesday in the last weeks. We are in a series called So What? And this series is centered around some, some topics 
that make you a little uncomfortable, topics that make you feel like, man, I don't know why I came tonight. I mean, just to be honest, these topics, um, some of them make you cringe. Last week we talked about abortion and talked about what God's view on abortion was. And we saw how in the scripture that we saw that, man, we were all made and created in the image of God. And we saw when life was created and how the value of life comes from God. And so we ended that talk saying, okay, so what is, that, is our posture? So what? I don't have an opinion about this. And I'm in middle school, so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Or is our posture, so what can I do about this? So what is my role? What's my responsibility being in middle school? And now to this today, we get the topic of racism. And so my, my hope and my, my, my goal is um, to shed light on racism and ultimately point you guys in the direction of saying, hey, so what is my next step? So what do I do now that I'm a middle schooler in Sumner County? What, what's my role? What's my position on racism? And so um, by the end, I hope we all come to the central idea. And that central idea is this. How you view people shapes how you treat people. Let me say it again. How you view people shapes how you treat people. What would it be like if we all lived the way Jesus intended it to be. Jesus said to love your neighbor, to love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.14, love your neighbor as yourself. If we're, if we're being completely honest, the world looks nothing like that. It looks separated. It looks segregated. Somebody said in a conference last year that I went to called the MLK 50, 50 that 11 o'clock in the morning, on a Sunday morning, is the most segregated hour in America. 11 a.m. Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. That you have people who go to one church that looks like them and another church that looks like them. What would it look like if we adopted the same prayer that Jesus had in John 17? What would that look like? What would life look like? There's a term called being woke. You might know what that term means. Woke. Who's heard that term, being woke? Okay, so for those who haven't heard that term, uh, being woke, it is a term used, I guess you could say, in the new generation, urbandictionary.com, whatever you want to call it, um, of being aware of situations. And so you can be woke about a couple of different things. You could be woke about abortion. You could be woke about racism. You could be woke about anything. It is all meaning, man, being aware of what's happening. And so the next generation is saying that, man, they want to be more woke than the, than the last. And so what we're going to go through right quick is uh, we're going to go through what I like to call a woke session. And I want to make you aware as much as possible of racism. See, if you didn't know, racism has been around for thousands of years. It goes back to even Jesus' time. And people have been ex exalting and excluding different races because of that. And so let me, let me define what racism is before we keep going further. Racism, and its definition, is a prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race 
based on the belief that one's own race is superior. So in more understandable terms, looking at somebody and saying, listen, I am more superior to you than you because of my race alone. Nothing else qualifies me to be more superior to you more than me just being a different and more superior race than you. And because I am a more superior race, I have the right to treat you and discriminate you any way I see fit. This is what racism is. We all know who Martin Luther King is, right? Please open my eyes. Raise your hand if you know who Martin Luther King is. Oh, praise the Lord. They teach you all school. Thank the Lord. Martin Luther King is a great reformer when it comes to social issues such as racism. Growing up in a very segregated time, this is what Martin Luther King said when it came to the problem of racism in America and globally. He said these words, the problem with racism, segregation, and injustice in America is just is a church problem. He said this was a church issue. This was a church problem. Problem. It is not a government issue. It is not a society issue. It is a church issue because he truly believed that if the church would speak up on these issues where people went to worship as they worship the same God, if that group of people, if us on a Sunday morning, Saturday night, Wednesday night, whenever we, we, were, we gathered, if we would be unified, that we would see change. And so he believed this was a church issue. So what I want to do, I want to lay out some, some aspects of racism. So there is the truth about racism, and then there's some layers about racism. And so we're going to start with the truth, some truths about racism. Here, here's some, some truths I want you to write down. First one is this. Racism is always limiting to somebody. It always limits someone. Somebody is always getting the short end when it comes to racism. Somebody is always, be, always being oppressed when it comes to racism. Somebody is always being put down or stopped from doing something when it comes to racism. So listen, I don't want to be ignorant to the fact that some of you guys have never even heard this word before. This may be the first time you've ever heard somebody put a term to a view what you may have already seen played out in some of your lives. It always limits somebody. It always degrades and say, hey, yeah, you can't do that because of the way you looked or where you came from. Racism also always isolates. There's always a dividing line that comes when it comes to racism. It's always, hey, you stay over there and I'll stay over here. And if we're like this, then we all can get along if we are separated and isolated. It always says, hey, you go over there because we don't want to intermingle. We want to keep it isolated or isolate somebody. My father-in-law, he's a Cuban. Um, my wife's a Cuban from Miami, if you didn't know that. And um, in Miami, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later, it is very diverse. Went to school with every race and color since elementary school to I graduated high school. There was never one neutral color. It was all mixed all the time. That's how I grew up. My father-in-law, when I came to ask for his daughter's hand in marriage, this is what he told me. He said, 
while I don't agree with this culturally, I am okay with you marrying my daughter. Very blunt, very straight up. Hey, I don't agree with this intermingling of races culturally. I don't, I don't agree. I want my, my, my little girl to marry another Cuban. I, I don't want her to marry somebody looking like I, I don't agree with that. But you can go ahead and marry her. See, racism is always going to push you towards isolating one particular race. Third, racism always dehumanizes. To be racist is to look at somebody as less than a human than you are. And to say, because you are less of a human, you don't have the same rights as I do. Racism always looks to dehumanize somebody to take away their rights and privileges. And lastly, anyone can be a racist. Racism is not particular to just one race. To say that only one person can be racist is not true. Again, I grew up in Miami, and I've seen different types of racism. I've seen in the Latino culture different types of racism. In the black culture, I've seen different types. In the island culture, I've seen different types of racism. I've seen Cubans racist against Puerto Ricans. I've seen Haitians racist against Jamaicans. I've seen it all. It is not particular to just one race. Racism supersedes just one particular person or race being racist. So now now we look at some truths about racism. Let's look look at some layers that kind of fall into that, those categories. So one one layer of racism, because we can can start saying, hey, that's racist, that's racist, that, and and so we know that there's some layers that come with this. And so one layer we're going to look at is stereotypes. Stereotypes are a layer of racism. To say that, man, you only do this because of your culture is a stereotype. And to limit somebody to only that which was from their culture is racism. Another layer of racism is bullying. To hold somebody down, to bully them, to Man, prevent them from, man, living a happy life because of your personal prerogatives. Man, that is a form and layer of racism. To constantly badger somebody for something, for an issue, is racism. We have to be careful that we don't say, hey, I got picked on one time. I got bullied. I've been, been, been bullied for years. Well, how many times did you get bullied? One time, but it was, it was one time, and the guy said, said a bad joke towards me, and I got bullied. Well, okay, so we got to clarify what bullying is. Bullying is the repeated action of antagonizing somebody, the repeated action of day after day, month, the repeated action of something to hold you down. That is bullying. It's also a layer of racism. There are some systems that can be racist. So if if, if we're looking at systematically of things that are in place right now, man, so let's take an example. You can say the the justice system. And that that may be a little bit too far for you guys, but walk with me for a little bit. There are certain systems in place right now that cause people to kind of go through the cycle over 
and over and over again that haven't been changed. And so the same people keep going to jail over and over again. There are certain cops who patrol the same vicinity every day because they know they're going to get the same people back in jail over and over again. There are some systems that are racist. Again, these are different layers of racism. And then there's um, separation. Separation is a layer of racism. To, to draw this line and say, hey, you guys have your side and we have our side. We don't come into your area. You don't come into our area. We don't take those jobs. You don't take our jobs. This is a form and a layer of racism. I think the biggest obstacle, if I can be honest, that we're going to face in this room as middle school kids in Sumner County, going to White House, different schools, you know, Hunter, I mean, we do, the, the biggest obstacle we're going to face is ignorance. And don't, don't look at that word as a bad word, like, oh, that's offensive. I'm, okay, we're all ignorant in some sense. We all are ignorant in some fashion. So, listen, if I, if I start talking to you about violins, listen, I am going to be lost at the strings. And after that, tones, I'm, I'm done. I'm just ignorant when it comes to that kind of stuff. When, when, when it comes to, to baking and, and, the, and the, the kind of who's good at baking, there's an amount of levels you have to have and you can't put too much water because they'll flatten and all this stuff. I am ignorant when it comes to baking. I can cook. My name is Chef. But... But when it comes to baking, it's different. I'm ignorant. When it comes to racism, I think our biggest obstacle that we will have to hurdle in this room, in this context, is our ignorance towards racism. Ignorance, in this purest definition, is lack of knowledge or information. Simply put, it's not offensive towards you. It's just a lack of knowledge. Many of you, many of us in this room haven't ever heard the word of racism before. Some of you guys may think, well, racism was so long ago and there's no need to address it now. It's not really that prevalent anymore, chef. While others in the room, again, haven't even heard of the word. And so now you're probably thinking of, of aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads and siblings and relatives who maybe speak certain ways about different races, and you're saying, okay, so when they say these things or they limit these people in their speech, are you telling me that that's called racism, chef? Yes. That the, the, the constant badgering, the constant, the constant putting down of a race and limiting of a race because of, of their race is racism. To say that they can't do that, those people can't do that because of their race is racism. And so what we have to overcome is our ignorance. Matt Chandler, a pastor, a um, pretty well-known pastor, said this um, when he was talking about the, the idea of racism. He says, they don't know what they don't know, and they're part of a system that encourages their not knowing. Let it be said of us, of this generation, that we refuse to be part of a system that encourages not knowing. 
that we don't just keep walking aimlessly in a direction when everything else is screaming at us, stop and look, be woke, be aware. Stop walking in ignorance and look around. Look at the warning signs. Look at the signs. Look at what the world is screaming at you. Let us not be a part of this broken system. Here are some thoughts I want you guys to kind of write down and think about. And when you get home, you can kind of process these more. Here's some questions to, to answer to yourself. Here's the first question. Have I adopted any stereotypes from the adults in my life about other races that are racist? Have I adopted any stereotypes from adults in my life about other races that are racist? Second question, have I repeatedly made fun of someone because of their race, skin color, or religious practice? Have you repeatedly made fun of somebody? Every day in school, you make fun of the same kid who's from India, and you just ah, you're an Indian, and you guys eat whatever. Are you repeatedly bullying somebody? Last question, introspective questions. Have I intentionally ignored, excluded, or not surrounded myself with people because of the way they look. These are some questions you need to ask yourself when you're, when you're going home and you're contemplating, you're just trying to think, okay, man, where is this racism, racism that's just been talking about? And ask yourself in your own life personally, where, where has this shown its ugly head in my life? Where has this been that I have never noticed before? Again, this is a woke session. I want you guys to be aware now we've kind of seen the layers of truths and just kind of like the kind of some of the, the truths about it. I want y'all to hear from God's word. I want you to hear how God responds to issues and circumstances like this because ultimately this is our foundation. This is where we find our truth. This is where we find our posture, our position on issues like this. And so, man, I thought what better than to use a story. John 4, we see Jesus meaning a woman at the well. Let me read this passage, and I will, we'll talk about it a little bit. Verse 1 says, When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and, making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but the disciples were, he left Judea and went to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. And so I don't know if you noticed, but it says that he had to. So take your pen. Everybody got a pencil? Everybody got a pencil? We got a pencil or iPad. I want you to highlight that word somehow had to. He had to go through Samaria. And, and that's significant because th this was like a divine appointment for Jesus. Like there, there, there was nothing that could stop him. He had to go at that point and he had to go through Samaria because there was somebody waiting for him. There was somebody waiting for him in Samaria that he had to meet. It says, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. It was about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And so we see that the scripture, man, points a lot of attention to this well. It could have just said, oh, Jesus came to a well and got some water. No, but it said that this well, what? This well was there. 
Sorry, it said that this will was property that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So this was a property that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So this was an important will. Why was this will so important? Why did author John specify whose will it was? Well, understand that this was somebody, Jacob was somebody that the Samaritans and the Jews both liked. So this was kind of common ground for the Jews and Samaritans. So understand, the Jews did not like the Samaritans. So to travel through Samaria was an, uh, basically a forbidden trip for most Jews because they didn't want any interaction. They wanted to be as segregated, as separated as possible from the Samaritans. So for Jesus to have to go through Samaria was a huge deal. Jesus pursued this woman at the well. That's the first thing I want you to write down. Jesus pursued this woman at the well. God pursues us in racial reconciliation. We should pursue others in racial reconciliation. Who have you ignored? Who have you pushed off to the side and, man, already X'd out in your mind that you're not going to hang out with because of their race or their culture or the way they look. Verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Understand, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing, and this was a race war, if you would say. It was a racial conflict, and he met her on common ground. He met her, man, at a well that she would be comfortable at. He had to go to and through Samaria. And the last point is this, Jesus didn't let, her stere- didn't let stereotypes or racial tension stop him from loving her. Jesus didn't let any stereotypes that he had heard and, and knew from Samar- about, about the Samaritans, he didn't let any of that crowd his mind, mind of loving this woman where she was. He met her where she was, and he didn't let anything stop. Man, how many times do you not make friends or not love somebody or not help somebody because of the way they look or, man, some stereotypes you may have heard about them and their culture? Let, us, let that not be said of who we are. Here's some questions that I want you to kind of think about when you think about, man, what God's word has to say about racism. Because God's word is clear, man. There is different colors. We're not going to be ignorant to that, that we all look different from each other. But the prayer, like in John 17, was for us to be unified, for us to be one under the umbrella of Christ being crucified and the spirit that we have through him and that we share together. Here's some questions. First question is, do you know anyone who has a wrong view of people in light of God's word? That won't pursue somebody because of the way they look, won't love somebody because of their race. Do you know anybody like that in your mind, in your family, in your friendship? Do you have somebody you can picture? Second is, based off what Jesus did, how have you put, pursued those who look different than you? And if you haven't, how can you start today? 
So as we reflect on those, those words that Jesus kind of spoke to us, let, let's go deeper. We've been speaking real globally, kind of like broad. Let's, let's get more specific to Sumner County and racism in Sumner County. Let's get more specific. So if you didn't know, man, there were there was segregated schools in Sumner County, all across Tennessee, really. White and black and separate size, and that was how it was. In Sumner County, where you probably live, I mean, there is there was a time, man, over 60 plus years ago where this was the norm. And so, sadly, it's kind of still crept in to some of us and our upbringing. Let me kind of share just a story as I close with this. We moved here from Miami about a year and a half ago. And we, I mean, it could have been maybe, I guess, nine months ago. We, were, we heard a, uh, there's a strawberry festival happening somewhere in Portland. And we're like, okay. We're going to check it out, Strawberry Festival. So we take the whole family. I'm trying to look cool. I got my pit bull with me. You feel me? Just, just in case. Walk around my pit bull. Kids, wife, having a good time. And we, we quickly noticed that, okay, we are probably the only black interracial family here. And I'm like, okay, cool. We're all right. A little nervous, not going to lie. Saw some Confederate flags, and I was like, all right, um, I'm getting some weird looks. We're walking around. I'm like, all right, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. I'll just keep getting looks over and over again. And then finally, we're, we're like, okay, the parade went by. We're good. I'm getting more looks. We, we get to the car, and there's a, a big, giant truck, giant wheels, and a Confederate flag in the back, and waving. And there's two um, Caucasian guys, and they're looking at me and my family. And I'm like, oh, man. And they're just staring us down. And they, they want one holds out his, his sign of his Confederate flag, and he starts to stare at me as he does circles around me and my family. And at that point, I'm like, all right, the hood about to come out. I'm like, the hood, the hood about to come out. And so at a certain point, you defend your family, right? At a certain point, you're like, all right, I'm going to put these hands to you, and it's not going to be nice. Better catch these hands, exactly. And so my wife's like, calmate. That means calm down in Spanish. And I'm like, all right, so we get the kids in the car. And she's like, that was crazy. And I'm like, well, that's, that was our first kind of glimpse of racism. Because we were not wanted. Literally maybe 15 minutes from our house, we, didn't, we weren't wanted. We weren't accepted. We were, man, kind of told, man, get out. You're not wanted here. And I'm like, man, okay, so yes, I, I, I've known that racism, and I'm not ignorant to the fact that racism is around. I was pulled over 15 times and searched, I don't know how many times, by the cops in Miami. That was just a normal deal for me. Um, never really given a ticket, just, hey, just, what are you doing? You having drugs on you? No, I don't have drugs. And so just, I, I, I've experienced, but it was weird to experience it. It had been so long, I guess. But it, it woke me up. Hey, hey, hey chef. Be, be aware that there is still racism even 15 minutes from your house. And I was reminded again when I came home from work and that there was a rock sitting on my, under my window and a broken window right there. And I'm just trying to figure out, okay, okay, so this is God, are you, are you telling me that I'm supposed to leave Tennessee and go back? Like, what are you, what are you saying? Who, okay, who threw this rock? Could it, could it have been a lawnmower? Could it have been, uh, what? What is this? And my, my mind is just going. 
And I I was reminded that this is a battle. This is an ongoing battle we will have to face as believers and Christians until Jesus comes back. This is an ongoing discussion, racism is, until Jesus comes back. Our hope, if you did not know, is in Christ and Christ alone. So these events will continue to happen, I believe, until Christ comes back. But I feel like, man, that we as a church could get little glimpses of the kingdom of God if we would unite as believers. And so this is what Matthew 11, Matthew 6 says. I'm going to pray. It says, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. This is Jesus praying. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as a church, that's our prayer, right? That his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we will be unified on earth as it is in heaven. Some, some people are going to be surprised. Some, some KKK members, some racists are going to be surprised when they get to heaven. Like, whoa, this is not what I thought it was going to be. It's not. That's our prayer as believers. That's our prayer that we will be unified. Let me pray. God, I pray as believers in this room, God, we wouldn't be silent. That we wouldn't be quiet. God, that we wouldn't shy away from the truths of racism. God, that we would be a woke generation. That we would understand and be aware that racism is still alive. And God, I pray that we would love. We would love hard. We would love beyond what our, our culture tells us to. We will love beyond what people tell us to. But, God, we will love the way you have loved. Let me leave us with this quote. Martin Luther King says these words. He says, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. He said, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our of our friends. Let us be a generation. Let us be a middle school generation right now, right here in Sumner County who speaks up, who pursues the racially outcast, the racially outside, this God, God, the the racial who people who just kind of isolated to the side. Would this generation be the one who reaches out and pursue them and speak up? Love you guys.